Here we go. Hey, girl, you just tuned into the Britney Smith podcast. You're tuned in because either you're an entrepreneur, a mama, or both. And sometimes you just need a minute to, well, just be. And on this show, you'll get a lovely mixture of business and branding genius, faith and motivation. And if you're a mama, you understand conversations. Because let's be honest, we are fabulously multifaceted and amazing. So... Thanks for popping by. I'm really glad you're here. Girl, let's get into it here on the Britney Smith Podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Britney Smith Podcast. I am your host, Brittany N. Smith, and also a hello to those who might be watching this as well, whether you're on YouTube or if you're in the female coaches, consultants, and content creators group on Facebook, say that three times fast. I want to welcome you guys. We're going to have a great conversation today. I have a new friend, Kristen Ratten from the West Coast. She's from the West Coast, and she is a content creation extraordinaire. And so today we are going to talk a little bit about the pillars, your content creation pillars. What is content? Why do I need to create it? Some of the the do's and don'ts of creating amazing content. And so if you are listening, you're listening for a reason. You need to be here. So get your pens, your Brittany Smith notebooks out and get ready to take some notes. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited. Yes, joining you from out here in Portland, Oregon, where we're getting loads of rain and I was just going to say a little sunshine, but <laughs> happy to be here. Awesome. 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 So Kristen, tell us who you are, what you do and why you are the one to talk to us today about content creation. <laughs> yes, I am a mom of four teenagers and a serial entrepreneur. I've actually owned a, uh, I own a Christian Montessori preschool and kindergarten as well. So that was my first business. Um, So this is pretty different from that. (laughs) So my content creation business started about four years ago, um, sort of accidentally when I made an offhanded comment to a marketing friend that I missed writing because I was initially a journalism major in college and then Then I switched to (laughs) teaching. Um, So I just missed that writing component. I was the geek in high school that loved writing giant term papers and I like editing and all of that. So she happened to the very next day, connect me with someone who needed a content writer. And I literally didn't know that was a thing at the time, I didn't know that a lot of what you read online is not from the person whose name is attached to it. So it was a pretty big learning curve and I loved every second of it. And it just kept growing and growing till I had my own clients. Um, When COVID hit, it really exploded because suddenly everybody who had never had a digital presence needed a digital presence. Uh, So lots of about pages and home pages and um, blogging. I do a lot of blogging for clients to get their expertise out there. Um, I primarily work with small businesses, micro businesses, usually service-based to give them a chance to get their voice out there and amplify what they do and who they serve. Um, You know, micro businesses aren't going to outrank giant businesses on Google (laughs) necessarily from our homepages and so on. But 
uh, blogging and those sorts of things really help people find their people. And uh, so yeah, I primarily serve my clients through blogs, email campaigns, and website copy. Ooh, and I, yeah. I love telling people's stories. So that is, um, I think, what really drew me to this. I got to connect with so many different entrepreneurs, mostly women entrepreneurs, and just hear their stories, hear their backgrounds, sure. and help them get their stories out there so that they can can do what they want to do. So it's really, it's very fun, very exciting. Awesome. And it was a surprise to suddenly have this business. <laughs> yeah, is it, listen, isn't that just like God to say, oh, Boop, here you go. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's, um, there's most of literally most of the ladies, no other explanation for it. So. Yes, yes <laughs> ma'am. Most of the ladies that I interview on the show um, fell into their businesses by accident. Um, and either they fell into it by accident where it was totally unexpected, or there was a unforeseen series of events in their lives that kind of just led them to this thing that they didn't even know was on the inside of them. Um, you know, so say my story goes the same way. It's like, I never in a million years even thought about graphic design or branding or anything like that. I wanted to be, you know, as a journalism major, I wanted to be a, a VJ or on somebody's red carpet interviewing people, you know, doing those kinds of things. I want to be a, an actress. I still am going to be in somebody's movie someday, um, you know, and so that's kind of where I had my head at. And, and like you, I enjoy writing. I enjoy creating things with my mind and um, sharing them through my words, you know, and so to end up right now in my business of graphic design and brand strategy, it's like, how, Lord, how? <laughs> mm-hmm. But to your point, being able to hear people's vision and then bring those visions to life, whether it's through writing or through the design or anything like that, um, is kind of the pieces, how you put the pieces together for me. So I totally get it. Um, and I just want to say as a, I guess I would be, what, what would you consider a micro business? Like, can you kind of just explain what that? I means? tend to use it as you know, maybe it's just a solopreneur or somebody might have a, an outsourced team. Maybe they have an outsourced VA, outsourced bookkeeper, outsourced mark, you know, marketing person, et cetera. Um, maybe they have a few employees, but that's, that tends to be what I consider a micro business, which I think, I think people forget that small businesses, um, I think the, the qualification is like 500 employees, which doesn't sound small to a lot of us. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, micro I mean, sounds about right. <laughs> micro, yeah, and, and it's just um, I love working with entrepreneurs who are are in that stage of, okay, I have this thing I'm doing and it seems to be working, but they need that outsourced team to help bring it all to life. Sure. Absolutely. And I was going to say your services are 1000% needed, um, especially like for me, I'm like, oh, I need that. I need that because I'm sure that you find even in your own business that when you do this kind of work for other businesses, a lot of times your business gets kind of left to the back burner. And it's like, well, if you're a designer, where are your designs? I'm like, they're on other people's pages. That is a hundred percent true. I don't remember the last time I wrote a blog for my own website. Yes. They're, you know, we're producing them all the time for other people and same with emails, all the things. It's, it's so true. I'm always telling clients do as I say, not as I do, (laughs) but it is, it's very impactful for businesses. So awesome. So 
question number one, perhaps um, this well, not if it's not a question, I guess. Describe for me a day in the life of a content writer. What does that look like for you? It has a lot of different pieces to it, um, partly because of how I work with clients. So I try to coordinate more of my actual client calls to be on just two days a week, but that's been a little hit and miss. Again, a lot of the people I work with are also moms. They're also, you know, oh, we, yeah. you do what you got to do. You yeah. make things work where you can. So, um, you know, I try to, to limit that to two days a week, but that's a little hit and miss. But I, it's a mixture of client calls because I really do spend a lot of time talking with my clients before I start writing because it's so important to literally hear them talk so I can hear their voice and hear the words and phrases they use. So I spend a little more time on client calls than a lot of content writers do, I think. Um, but getting their story and their their voice right is really critical. Sure. Um, but I've heard from others that I spend more time <laughs> on those calls than, than some people do. Um, but then there's also just a lot of writing, a lot of editing, mm -hmm. uh, emailing back and forth with clients to make sure, you know, these phrases are okay to use. Does this sound right? Um, and then part of what I offer for clients, if they have a blog subscription with me is that I also publish it live to their site for them. Mm -hmm. So part of my day is finding the legally licensed stock photos, getting it published onto their website. Um, if I'm doing their emails, you know, I'm sending test emails and making sure everything looks right, the links open, all of that sort of stuff. Um, so it's, it's a pretty big mixture of things. I would sure. like to say I have it more streamlined that I do certain things on certain days, but I don't. I, I just, <laughs> whatever is due that day, that's what I'm working on. And I tend to do better writing in the morning and then save some of that more busy work for afternoon when sure my brain's not quite in the writing mode but um but yeah it's a it's a pretty big mixture of things I work with several web design agencies as their contracted yeah. writer so yeah. sometimes I'm on calls with the web designer to just make sure we've got a, a game plan and know what's going on for that client but yep and then in between I'm I have four teenagers, <laughs> so yes, bless your heart. The, the mom life too, and wife yes. life, both of my husband and um, yeah, and our dog. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm glad that you said that that you you have contracts with um, web design agencies. I'm like, I need that too. <laughs> I need that too. But, um, yeah. So okay, so next question then. Um, for us micro businesses, because that's primarily who's listening as well, what are some of the key types of content that you would say we need just kind of as a baseline to show up online? Mm -hmm. At a bare minimum on the website, homepage, about page, and either a services or offerings page, um, bare minimum. Um, I also love when clients want an FAQ page. It's a great place to literally answer all those questions. It's also a great, great place to stick keywords. It's a great place to refer people when you don't want to answer the same question over and over. Um, so that's bare minimum for, for the uh, website. And it depends on what they offer. Sometimes they need a, a much more robust site, obviously, as you know. Um, and then the blog I always tell clients their blog is their superpower because that's where they can really present themselves as an authority and a leader and an expert. 
Um, from an SEO perspective, you can use different keywords and more of those um, really the long tail keywords and really just help you stand out online and be visible to the right people that are your ideal clients. And again, we're not going to compete with the giant companies um, to get our homepage to rank necessarily, and especially not with the ad spend that other companies have, but your blog can really show up and compete and, um, and just explain who you are and what you do. And especially for service-based entrepreneurs where they might have to really dig into what it is they're doing and explain deeply how it works and why it works and right. that's the place to do it. Got you. Yes. And then you can reuse it in so many ways. You can take yes. one blog post and turn it into 20 social media posts yes. and share it in an email list or turn it into a video or just keep reusing it over and over and over again. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of repurposing content. Like that could be a whole separate episode. Um, and actually, I think I want to do like a, a working training on like how to how to break down your content and like literally walk it out with with the the people um, because I think we underestimate you know, how powerful that can be. Yeah. And we forget that you post one thing and a couple of people see it and then it gets pushed down the feed. Yeah. So, I mean, you could literally post the same thing at a different time each day of the week and different people will see it and nobody will notice that it's the same piece of content. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, one blog post can turn into an ebook if you want to lengthen it out and turn it into a lead gen thing. It can, it just can be so many things. And, and yeah, I tell clients like, go back and look at what you posted a year ago. And just do it again, start over. Because yeah. probably if it was relevant a year ago, it's probably relevant now, same time right. of year. And yeah. just do it again. Nobody's going to say, you did that a year ago. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so so when we talk about content and the different types of content, can you explain to us what are some of the main content pillars and what is that? How do they work? How do they break down? Help mm -hmm. us out. <laughs> I... So there's a couple ways you can look at it. There's the literal content pillars of like the buckets of where you're showing up. So your blog, your emails, your social media, YouTube videos, whatever it is. Um, I work with clients to identify their own personal content pillars of what are they trying to teach and, or, and what are they trying to put out there. Usually it's somewhere, you know, three to five things that they are the expert in or an authority in and they want to put out there. So for me, most of my content, which again, I'm horrible at creating my social media content. That is not the piece that I do. <laughs> at least you know. Big, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big social media consumer outside of my business. So I, I tend to put that on the back burner. But um, for me, it's website, copy, email campaigns, and blogs. So those are kind of my big content pillars that pretty much anything I put out on my um, social media is or in my blog posts or in my emails is going to fall into one of those buckets. Um, for some people, it's sales and scaling. For some people, it's you know graphic design and web design. You know, just whatever it is that fits what you do, so that you're always staying um, aligned with what you actually can do for clients and not muddying the waters. So um, most people, it, they know what their pillars are, but they haven't really thought about it and they haven't put words to it. They just sort of know the things they like to do. So getting that really concrete for clients so that um, they don't have to think about what they're putting out on, on their social media or blog posts. They just know that everything needs to fit in one of those buckets for the most part. Of course, there's always like the fun stuff, the behind the scenes 
stuff and some outliers, but um, if people can stay really aligned with that, it just makes it easier to create their content. Got you. And so could, because in my head, I guess pillars can kind of go a couple different ways. And I think you kind of alluded to this. So like, for example, I'm a service-based business. I am specializing in graphic design and branding and strategy, right? So my pillars could be branding, design, strategy, and, you know, something else, or could my pillars be, you know, education, information, entertainment, like do those kind of like cross paths? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think your pillars are still that design and branding, but within those, some of your content is educational. Some of it is entertaining. Some of it is a behind the scenes look, those sorts of things, but it's still feeding those same things that you're the expert in so that it's always amplifying your expertise. Got you. Because listen, I'm sure that you've worked with people like me, who my ideas and my brain, I'm literally, so right now my view, I'm overlooking Atlantic city and there's like highways and cars and that's my brain. Okay. (laughs) That is my brain. Um, I have a lot to say about a lot of different things and I struggle with my pillars. Like, you know, I, I, it's almost like if my pillars go like this, they're like bridges that go (laughs) between them. And so I struggle with communicating um, clearly because I have so many different things, um, that kind of like intertwine. So what mm-hmm. do you say to that person on keeping your pillars separate, but creating a, a plan across those, those platforms mm-hmm. that makes sense to your person that you're trying to reach? Yeah. And you still want it to be you. You want it to sound like you and feel like you. And, yeah. and so I think as long as there's always going to be shiny new objects that we all love to chase after. And that's fine. Sometimes that opens up a whole new door, but for the most part, especially when you're planning things out ahead of time, um, which some of us are not as good at, but (laughs) I'm good at it for other people, not for myself. But when you're planning it out ahead of time to just look at it and think, okay, does that fit? Does that, is that going to teach anyone about web design? Is that going to teach anyone about, brand strategy. Um, And if it's really an outlier, then it probably shouldn't be too big of a focus. It can be there, but it's going to be one of those outliers. That's not a giant piece of what you're doing. um, Just so it doesn't get confusing for your audience. Sure. No, yeah, I totally understand. I will have so many different ideas in my head and then realize "Mm, that's really outside the scope of what I actually want to offer clients. <laughs> and if I go too far, then they're going to expect me to do it. And maybe I'm not ready to actually do that. <laughs> yes. And and I've heard over and over and over again, from the beginning of the year, um, this thought of sell one thing to one audience with one message. And I'm just like, it, that challenges me so much because I'm like, but there's so much more, you know, and it's like, and, and, and like to your point, it's like uh, creative ADD almost. And it's like, but I want to, but I want to, but I want to, and to your point, you can't really can, you know, gather a solid following that way if you're kind of spread all over the place. Um, so no, so you're absolutely right. And even like with those outliers, it's like, maybe I just need to put the outlier there so that I feel better that I actually wrote it down or whatever, but just mm-hmm. leave it there in outlier land, you know? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and those it, are fun you know. things. They're fun things to, to consider and think about and research. And it keeps us excited usually about our work when we have those things that 
are new and different. So I think they're super valuable as long as they're not overtaking the things that you currently do and offer and what your expertise is. Right, right. Um, So let's kind of pivot just a little bit here. And let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts for those who are currently writing their own copy. Um, Some of the do's and don'ts about writing copy. And for those of you who are listening, there's copywriting and there's copywriting. We're not talking about the copywriting as in protecting your work, but we're talking about writing copy, which is um, basically it's it's text with the purpose of convincing someone to do something, right? Um, writing copy for your social media or for your online presence. Yeah, and I like to differentiate a little bit between copy and content. Okay, very They good. often get used interchangeably, which is fine, but copy tends to have a little bit more of its purpose is more selling or getting someone to take that next step in the buyer's journey. Gotcha. And content is usually more educational, supportive, offering your expertise, those sorts of things. They blend together a lot, but there is a little bit of a difference. So your website homepage might be a little bit more copy focused, whereas your blogs are more content and educational. Um, So a couple of things that I see people doing is, um, blogs that are too short and emails that are too long. (laughs) When I look at those two pieces of content, (laughs) that's what I tend to see. I'll get people who are sending emails that are basically a blog post and it's just too long. Yeah. Cause or I'm not doing something on their website <laughs> as a blog. That's maybe only 200 words. And that's just too short. That's too short oh. for Google's purposes, really. So what's the, what's the, the, uh, suggested length. Sweet spot. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> um, when I'm writing for my clients, typically we don't go below a thousand words for a blog post. Sometimes depending on um, like, if it's a brand new website, I offer a shorter blog package where they're only 500 words each just to get some content going and make it a little easier on the budget. Um, So I would never go under 500 words. Um, I think ideally a thousand words and up, you you kind of can't go too long for Google now. They, the more, as long as it's um, well-written and really does answer the question that your title says it's going to answer. Um, you're not just shoving a bunch of words in there for no reason, but, um, Google likes long content. So as far as rankings go, that is, um, where you'll get the most bang for your buck. So, um, that's my sweet spot is at least a thousand words longer is fine. Um, emails, two to 300 words max usually. I like it. Because, I mean, you know, you get emails and you're like, okay, they're still going, they're still talking and just, you know, kind of need to get to the point and keep it more conversational. Emails should be a lot more conversational. Link to your latest blog post, share something you've been up to behind the scenes, something interesting you've learned, whatever fits your audience. Um, if you have a new promotion coming up, a new class starting, something like that, but pretty conversational. And then it's not so overwhelming too. You can send emails more frequently when you're not thinking, oh, I've got to put all this content in there. <laughs> you can just keep a conversation going. So that's usually the two, the two errors, I guess, I see from clients is blog posts that are too short or non-existent. They're not using it all <laughs> at all or emails that are just way too long. Gotcha. Um, if you have a lot to say, great. Just send more frequent emails yes. and, and get it, get it out there because that's, that's fine. You're not really going to send too many, but um, 
yeah, that, those are kind of the, the things I see. But really using blogs, especially, I think a big do is to use them to educate, use them to answer questions that you get all the time, use them to explain something that might be unique about how you work and, and how you serve people. Um, I, I think it just really shouldn't have a sales component, although you're going to want to there's always a call to action in blogs because you want them to do something, right. but really you want it to serve them as an educational platform. Got you. And so with emails, and, and I'm sure I might be answering my own question in terms of how often or how many emails a week, um, does that depend on the person or is there another sweet spot that we can kind of suggest? Like if I'm just starting with email, um, what is a suggested number of emails a week or how frequently should I be communicating? There are, there seem to be about a thousand different opinions on this uh, particular number. So what I learned from a marketing coach um, early on was do what you will stick with <laughs> because doing something is better than doing nothing. Yes. Um, ideally, at least once a month so that you're not totally falling off their radar because really email is, those, those are designed to keep you kind of top of mind with your list and make sure people remember, oh yeah, somebody needs a coach in this and I, I have her email here so I can refer her. Um, there are plenty of people who do daily emails and that's fine too, but most solopreneurs don't have the bandwidth to do Not that. <laughs> so, yeah, once a month, twice a month is great um, because at least you're getting your name back out there and it kind of forces you to think about what you want to say to your people, to your audience. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I, I never, I never tell clients they should start off with even weekly emails because for most that's just overwhelming. That's a lot. Um, yeah. I will say, I do think that outsourcing emails is a really great starting point for a lot of solopreneurs because it's usually pretty affordable and it has a big impact. So for a lot of people, if they're not ready, they don't have a budget yet to hire a blog writer or, or rewrite their website or whatever, just starting with emails is a great way to do it. It's usually a lot of the platforms are free to use. So it's a pretty affordable way to at least get that content going. Right, right. And, and so when you talk about um, like those client nurturing sequences, um, what are some things that make up a good nurture sequence, right? Like you mentioned how, you know, they shouldn't be so salesy, um, but are there, are there some key things that would make up a good nurture sequence? Yeah, I like to have, um, and there's different thoughts on this too, but usually it's like three to five emails when, like if somebody joins your email list, um, and there's usually for a lot of people a freebie or a download or discount or something that goes out in that first welcome email to get the ball rolling. Um, I think my welcome email sequence, which I should probably revisit, has that download in the first one. And then a couple of days later, it has sort of an introduction to who I am and why I do what I'm doing. Um, and that those first emails might be a little more salesy because you are inviting people they're brand new to you. So you are inviting them to work with you and, and have to set the parameters of how they can work with you. So those first few emails usually are kind of introduced, introduce what you do, how you serve, introduce ways that they can work with you, where they can find you, how they can connect with you, those sorts of things, and invite a response. A lot of people won't take you up on it, but go ahead and invite a response saying, hey, if you have questions you'd like me to address in here, hit reply and, and send them to me. Because right. 
super helpful when people do that. Yeah. Um, not very many people do, but, right. but it's always worth having the invitation in there. I think that's worth having in just about every email that you send out to your list, some sort of an invitation to respond and reply to remind them that you're there is a person behind these emails. It's not a robot. And, and you do want that conversation and that relationship. And it, and if somebody does answer, it's great because it gives you some feedback of what people want to hear and what they're, what they're looking for. Sure. Sure. Um, so as we, as we land the plane here, um, what is your process for planning content? Like if you were to share, you know, with the audience, a place that they could start with organizing their content, what does that look like? And how can we have some practical tips around that? I think the first thing I usually tell clients, especially if they, if this is really new to them, they've never had a blog, they've never used their email list, anything is to start with the questions they get asked the most about their work. What is it that people are always asking or comes up repeatedly because there's your first set of blog posts. Answer those questions, whatever they are. Um, and actually questions are great keywords because it's what people are Googling. It's what they're typing in. So turn them into blog posts and get started that way. I worked with a client um, who that's what we did for her first set of blogs. And she was so excited because anytime she was in a Facebook group or something where somebody had a question about how this worked, what she does, how it works, she could just link to the blog post. She didn't have to type out a big long response. She could just link to it. So I I, I think starting with whatever questions come up the most is the, the perfect starting point because you know you're answering questions people have. Right. And um, so it's probably something searchable as far as rankings go, but more importantly, it's really speaking to what your audience needs. So that's always my first starting point <clears throat> for someone who's never done any of it. <laughs> Awesome. awesome. So listen, I appreciate your time. Um, I definitely would like for you to share now um, what you have available for us to grab onto um, and how we can connect with you online. Yes. So um, I am on Facebook and Instagram, uh, technically LinkedIn also, but like I said, social media is not my, my strong suit um, under Kristen Ratten content. My website is kristenrattencontent.com. You can always book a free call, send me a message, whatever. I really like to be able to talk with people um, ahead of time before we start having any sort of working together uh, because it just isn't always the right fit, but um, I want to make sure I am the right person for you and can meet your needs and help you get your voice out there. So I offer free calls and I really love, like I said, hearing everyone's stories and getting to help them out. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today on the Brittany Smith podcast. Um, this information was very helpful. I'm going to go back with my team and get us some emails together or something. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's such a, a needed thing. But if you are knee deep or neck deep in your business, um, it's just kind of something that continues to get pushed to the back burner. Um, and so we need to get started with that this summer. Um, so thank you so much, ladies. Make sure you check out kristenrattencontent.com. It's going to be in the show notes. So make sure you click that link there and take her up on her offer of those free calls. Even if you don't think you can afford 
to hire someone, it is a good idea to talk to her to find out just exactly what would be needed. And she can probably point you to some resources that if you're not ready to hire her just yet, um, some resources that would really help you get started. Um, because I know if, if she's anything like me, which I feel like she is, um, she's giving you value even in the free call, you know? And so you definitely want to take her up on that offer so that you can get your content life together and you can begin to speak more into the lives of the people that you've been called to reach. So thank you so much for tuning in, Kristen. Thank you again. And we will see you ladies next week on another episode of the Brittany Smith podcast. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to leave a comment and then share this episode with another amazing lady who needs to hear today's show. Yes, girl, I'm serious. Just send her the link and say, girl, listen to this. Want to hang out with me every day? Head over to Facebook and join the Female Coaches, Consultants, and Content Creators group on Facebook. Or you can join my mailing list in the links below this episode. Girl, I enjoyed our conversation. Stay amazing and remember, you are loved, you are needed, and nobody, I repeat, nobody can do what you do the way you do it. See you next time on the Brittany Smith Podcast.